This is John Abrahams from The Faculty, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Stay right here, or die. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. I just want to thank all our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all support. Uh, before we jump into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our social media. We got the big three, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just search for Don't Go Out There and you'll find us. And another quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Uh, you can find all of our celebrity shout-outs, our interviews, episodes, our store and our blog uh just give the website uh just check it out and uh, you'll find anything you need to know about us on there and we're going to continue our theme month of creature feature tonight with brother brian's pick he is taking us back to 1998 and he chose the faculty uh brian do you want to give us your general overview and why you picked it man uh yeah sure i uh i just pick it because i love it like you know every time i watch it i just have an absolute blast with it you know, so much works. I think it's a great combination, like uh, of a lot of different genre movies. You know, Kevin Williamson had that uh, big script writing dick that I've uh, talked about in the past, just on full display yet again. And uh, you know, I think he, you know he's got some great characters that I think they were flushed out just uh, very well. I mean, each each was handled with 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 care and 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 by God, I mean this soundtrack. You know, right off the bat, this is probably my favorite horror movie soundtrack. Period. Um, in fact, for me, I mean, there's just, there's not another group of like three movies that just give me this whole nostalgic kick in the balls and just take me back to middle and high school, like scream. I know what you did last summer and the faculty. And, you know, I think that's the biggest reason why I love Kevin Williamson so much. Uh, I mean, if it was a fun slasher that rejuvenated the horror genre and probably my favorite because of the nostalgia period of horror movies in the nineties, more than likely Williamson had a hand in writing it. Um, you know, now it was a gamble given the script Robert Rodriguez to direct. I mean, there's, there's not many more unpredictable directors out there than Mr. Rodriguez, but I think he, uh, he, he brought a, a, a great, almost zaniness to it that I think works and, uh, I'm ready to get into it. All right, I'll go next real quick. Um, I really, I had never seen this movie until we watched it this week to review and I got to admit, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like the cast, like Brian said. I don't have the nostalgia pull, really, from seeing it as a younger person, but I really enjoyed this watch. Um, it was fun. It was a cool whodunit. Do have a couple nitpicks, but love the cast. Uh, uh, and big shout out to Josh Hartnett. Uh, another, another, you know, notching his belt to being one of the greatest horror movie final guys ever. Vampires, uh, <laughs> Michael Myers, aliens, nothing stops this guy. Let's, let's go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, great choice, Brian. I really liked it. Uh, Dustin, you want to go next? Uh, yeah, sure. So I want to start by saying this movie would be a lot better had they cast literally anyone that was acting at that time not named Josh Hartnett. Oh, uh, wrong. All right, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I know that Nico only said that because of me. So I'm not the biggest <laughs> Josh Hartnett fan. This stupid haircut. Um, but other than that, I mean, this movie is a fun movie, like Brian said. I've seen it. It's been years, and I mean years. It's probably been 10 years or more since I've seen it. 
before this rewatch. Uh, it's a fun movie, great cast. Uh, it's got the ever beautiful Jordana B- uh, Brewster on it. So glad that she's made a return to our uh, our show. We get to review another movie of hers, so I got to uh, gawk at her on screen. But not not just the ladies. I mean, you had uh, Christopher McDonald, who will forever be Shooter McGavin. Uh, you had John Stewart, oh, yeah. Ursher baby. So great cast, uh, fun, and I like the premise. I was telling you guys off mic, uh, this movie, I'd forgotten how similar it was in a uh, plot to the movie The Watch with Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, and Jonah Hill. Uh, I'm a big fan of that movie. This movie is very similar in the way that it has uh, some comedy mixed in with with an interesting, fun storyline. So I'm a fan of it. I like it. I'm, uh, I'm glad you picked it. Uh, yeah, so I feel... Pretty much the same way as the rest of us. So this should be kind of like an in, an in sync uh, pod here. I and by the way, I'm glad to be back, fellas. Sorry I missed last week. Um, first of all, I like Josh Hartnett, especially during this time period. Uh, first time I saw this movie, I want to say was probably 2009, 2010. So I don't have the nostalgia for it like Brian does, but that doesn't mean I don't have nostalgia for the time period. It's on full display in this movie. This movie slaps the 1990s, especially the late 90s, all over your face. I mean, the soundtrack is there. The lingo is there. It has Kevin Williamson's, you know, as Brian would say, his big swinging writing dick or whatever, all over it. <laughs> and, and, you know, this script, I'm, and I know I'm kind of giving a fun fact here early, this script had been around since, what, 1990? 91, something like that. And Kevin Williamson kind of came in and changed the dialogue and retooled it. And this is a lot... I hate to say it, but this it, this is a lot like Scream, not so much in the meta sense, although there is meta in this movie, you know, right. Invasion of the Body Snatchers and stuff. But if you took, you know, Body Snatchers and, and The Thing, especially The Thing, Alien, mm-hmm. Breakfast Club, and Varsity Blues, and they all had like an orgy, that's what this movie would end up being. And I think it's a lot of fun. The cast is great. Uh, young Elijah Wood plays a great nerd. <laughs> Uh, I really like that. And, you know, there's very limited screen time for Usher, but he's in this movie. And I forgot that he was in this movie, to be honest. Uh, but, man, Robert, pa- I want to give some kudos to Robert Patrick for basically playing a football coach version of his character in Terminator. Like, they're, 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 it's basically the same damn character. I think that's great. John Stewart is great for the limited screen time he gets. And, by the way, I'm about to go over some call me sometimes. So let's get him out of the way. There's a lot. Here we go. Selma Hayek right off the top. Queen B. Call me sometimes. Uh, but Miss Burke, Stokely, Delilah, Mary Beth, man, even the principal, they can all call me sometime. All of them. Stokely, uh, St- Stokely will not be calling you. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. Well, you don't know. Has she passed and I missed it? I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway. She, you, what? She, what? No. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. It's not that. You're not her type. Not her type. Well, she, she's vegan. Well, I'm very happy for you, Stokes. There you, um, go. There you go. And by the way, imagine Shooter fucking McGavin being your dad. That's a whole other deal right there. But, oh, uh, yes. I mean, he kind of plays the same character. And, you know, friend of the show, John Abrams has a, a a little small role in this movie. But, you know, I almost forgot. And I know we did, you know, he did the intro for a show for us and did an interview and stuff like that. But I almost forgot he's in the movie until I see him. I mean, his facial expressions cracked me up. So this is a fun watch. I'm excited to talk about it. This is basically the scream for sci-fi horror to me. They throw so many nods to the movies I mentioned in here, yeah. and it's fun to pick them out. 
you know, ah, oh, that's the thing or, oh, that's alien or, oh, that, you know, whatever. I like all that and I'm excited to talk about it. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. Do y'all got any more opening thoughts for you jump into the scene by scene? Yeah, this this soundtrack has good Creed on it. Not bad Creed, good Creed. Anyway, <laughs> there is a difference, fellas. There's a big difference. Anything before human clay kicks ass. Uh, Brian, Dustin, any more opening thoughts? Y'all ready to jump into it? No, I'm good. No, Tell good. me I'm wrong. Good Creed and bad Creed, all right. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just gonna let you go with that, man. Thank you. It's all bad. Scott, Scott Stapp, go Knowles. <laughs> it's all bad. It's, it's all, all bad. Oh. Please go, Nico. All right. all right. The film starts at football practice, and Coach Willis is going off on the team. He calls out his quarterback, Stan, for not feeling the pressure and to get his head in the game. He runs to the bench and knocks over all the water kegs and kicks up the sprinklers. He turns around to an unseen person, asking, yeah, what? Then we cut to the faculty break room, and the principal is telling the teachers they don't have money for their trips or musicals. Mr. Tate says, I bet the football team gets their jerseys. And she says, yes, because this is a football town. She walks out frustrated, and she's locking up but forgot her keys and returns to her office. The coach appears behind her and blocking her from leaving, looking like he's going to attack her. He keep he keeps asking for a pencil, and she gives him one and says this is close to harassment after blocking her from leaving again. He now stabs the pencil through her hand. She scratches him with the keys, and she runs off dropping them. She can't escape the school now because all the doors are locked and chained. She gets to another door, and Miss Olsen is there, but she doesn't have her keys either, so she waits on her. Principal goes to get her keys from the office now, and Miss Olsen yells, He's coming. He runs towards her, and she manages to get outside and lock him inside. She drops the scissors and turns around to Miss Olsen with the scissors who stabs her with them repeatedly. I always wanted to do that, she says. And now we get our title card. Now we're at the school, and we see Zeke show up in his muscle car. He's parking hella bad. He grabs his drug (laughs) stash, and we see a rear-end collision and the two women fighting. We meet our characters now. Casey catches an elbow to the face, and Stokely and Stan bump into each other. Stan runs to to Delilah and wants to talk to her, but she's busy with the school paper and cheerleading. Some bullies ram Casey's groin into a pole, and the new girl, Mary Beth, is asking where the principal's office is. And her friend of the show, John Abrahams, is arguing with the fuck you girl as Zeke goes into the bathroom selling some fake IDs to his two clients. He gives them both a sample of his secret recipe drug, Scat, to make the deal even better. Mr. Tate enters the break room, and we see Coach drinking hella water. The nurse is still sick, and we meet other faculty members. Professor Furlong asks the nurse why she doesn't just go home. He now says maybe I should put a pen in my eye. Everyone asks if they've seen the principal she's been missing. Mr. Tate heads to class after spiking his drink with alcohol. The, the coach compliments a maid over Miss Olsen. All right, Brian, that's the first two scenes they got, brother. What do you think of the intro? I love the intro, by the way. The opening scene's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, hell, right off the bat, Offspring, you know, the, the kids aren't all right. Nothing brings me back to that whole nostalgic place I was talking about, you know, in, in my life at that point than this song. Like, freshman in high school, the whole world's opening up for you. It's a, it's a very distinctive headspace for me, like, when I hear that song. Um Plus being, especially in high school, middle school, I mean, you know, there's always that weird time, you know, and that disconnect from, you know, your teachers. A lot of them are weird and, and there's nothing more mysterious than whole faculty lounge. And, and I think that this, this does a good job of really playing off of all that. Um, you know, also a great little gag in the teacher's lounge here where the group 
um, where in this group of scenes, you know, where that teacher lights up that cigarette right under the no smoking sign. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was good. Um, also want to give credit, you know, Mike brought him up, Robert Patrick. I, you know, I agree. He's so damn good in this movie. I mean, he's, he's great at showing that whole transition from a, a very believable to me, football coach to like, you know, basically, like you said, just playing the T-1000 again, the rest of the movie. But I mean, hell, who else would you want playing the T-1000? So shit, that's perfect. Um, you know, the, the scene between he and Principal Drake was just so good. I, I can't see anyone but BB playing the principal either. Um, Jillian Anderson from the X-Files turned the role down, but Newworth actually does such a good job, especially the way she delivers that whole you and your pencil need to go home coach line. Uh, you know, I thought that was good. You know, that's another thing. And, and Dustin Bre touched on earlier, the casting. I think they did an amazing job with that. In this movie, um, you know, we get the film debut of of your girl, Jordana Brewster, who actually Jessica Alba auditioned for that role of uh, Delilah as well. So, hey, could it, couldn't go wrong with that. But a uh, film debut of Usher, like you said, who, you know, say what you want. I like him in this. I also like him in Texas Rangers and even She's All That. So, yeah, I said it. I agree. Um, Hartnett, I know. I mean, this is only his second film. And my love for the dude's well-documented on here going back to 30 Days a Night that we did. But this came actually came out the same year as H2O. So, you know, he's green in this movie, but I think he, I think he plays a great leading man and always has. And, you know, it wasn't the jock in the 90s that was cool. It was basically everything about Josh Hartnett in this movie that was the quote-unquote cool kid. And I think he plays it, you know, awesome. Um, great opening from that twist leading, you know, to Drake's kill, to the introduction, to all the kids. I mean, you get that usual, like you brought it up, breakfast club school kind of archetypes, if you will, with that whole jock, the rebel, the hobbit. Well, I mean, I had to put a Lord of the Rings, Elijah Wood joke in there somewhere. So, but I'll say like the only casting that I would have done differently is Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, I think should have been played by Allie Larder. She's got that whole discount oh, Allie Larder look wow. and, 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 and now I just want to see her in the role. So there's no bias here from me, by the way. None at all. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so that's the first thing I have wrote down. As soon as you get on the screen after the Miramax logo anyway, you get the offspring. The kids aren't all right. Fucking great song. Uh, use it quite frequently. Going down the street. I'm at the gym. I use it. Love the offspring, especially that time period of the offspring. Um, the first thing I think of is everyone has had a – well, everyone that's even that's played the sport or even had gym – for that matter, has had a coach like this. And so right off the bat, I'm like, oh, God, this coach. I'm I'm relating, so I'm all in. Right off the bat, I love this little open here because we, if you played ball or you had, you know, like gym class, you had a coach like this that'll, that'll ass fuck shit you till, you know, till Sunday comes and then he's in church. But anyway, um, yeah, so <laughs> the first thing I get is uh, the scene between – the coach and the principal, I think, is really well done. It's really well shot, for one thing. The lighting is a little dark, but even then, that's a nitpick. Because I, I just like the way that they kind of move the camera back and forth off of them. And I like the filmmaking here by uh, Robert Rodriguez. I think he does a good job. Um, the acting is good here. And and it's believable, as believable as being invaded by aliens can be. The fact that, you know, all the pencil dialogue is good. Uh, very kind of creepy and pervy and and you you know the 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 tension as she's going up and down the hallway and runs to the other teacher and the the way that the other teacher kills her is very it's very quick cut slash 
And I like that. I mean, this movie isn't a slasher necessarily, but you get one of those kills here. I, I don't know if that was a late edition by Kevin Williamson or not, but I love it. I think it's really good. The opening scene works really well for me. Um, and I just like that we don't quite know what's going on yet. Uh, and I love I love our introduction to all the main characters. If I had a nitpick about this movie, it'd be there, there may be too many characters <laughs> for a movie that really didn't need it. But I like that we have, kind of like I mentioned previously, the Breakfast Club thing where you have the jock, you've got the goth, you've got this, you've got that. Very, very of its time and, and a, a very, you know, tip of the cap to the 80s as well. So I like that they kind of infused that there. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I The first time I ever watched this movie, it shocked me to see Miss Olsen, like, kill the principal. That's not something that I saw coming. So if you watch this movie... For the first time, at least I didn't see that coming. I don't know. Maybe I should have been more aware, but I wasn't aware. I wasn't really into sci-fi. Still not. I wasn't really into sci-fi horror at the time. So just not something that I was familiar with. But, you know, in my notes here, I have all the call me sometimes. I already went over that. So I'm not going to go back over. What I will say is I get a kick out of fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I get a kick out of that girl. She makes me crack up every time. That's that's just great. Um but yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't have a whole lot more except for this is a star-studded cast, and it shows. And I do think I've seen you know criticisms online about this movie having some not so fleshed out characters, but I disagree with that. I think that this movie has just enough for all the characters it tries to smush in here. By the time we get down to our core of of you know the students, the I'll call them the Breakfast Club because I have no other name. You. You kind of know what everyone's character is, and I think it, that they do a really good job. So, And they do a really good job of introducing them in this scene of who everyone is and how they fit into this movie. So I'm all in. I'm locked in right off the bat in this movie. Yeah, so uh, I don't have a ton of notes other than what you guys have already touched on, so I won't beat dead horses here. But uh, to me, the opening scene was very 1990s high school movie uh, in the way it opens. Like any any movie from the '90s where it takes place in a high school setting, you almost get the same kind of uh, the same kind of scenes. Like if it's centered around a football player, you're gonna get a practice scene. And I loved the way <laughs> the coach was just angry all the time and cussing all the time. And the, his choice of expletives was hilarious. I think he called the players some limp dickwads or something like that. Uh, <laughs> just hilarious dialogue there. That's what I was trying uh, to say, by the way. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't help but say this is probably how Mike Settle coaches football. Um, and then, it, you know. <laughs> it is. It's exactly how I do. <laughs> but uh, we got, you know, like you, like you guys said, stars to the cast, and we got to meet a lot of them in a hurry. I think they did a great job of introducing us to a ton of characters in this first uh, couple scenes but they really did an even better job of highlighting who's important. So, you know, you had these other play, these other characters that you see, like you see Usher, but you know that he's not going to be a major player in this movie because he's not really focused on it. He's not really highlighted here. So they did a good job of that. Um, and, man, my man Elijah's Wood got wrecked on that flagpole. I mean, sheesh. I mean, Elijah Wood got wrecked on that flagpole. Anyway, uh, they, 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 they did my man. Dick got whacked. They uh, they did my man dirty there. I, I I actually laughed at that because the movie 
high school life in movies is so funny to me because and a lot of times it's like you might see something like that happening, but to have this many funny things or these this many like outrageous things happening just back to back to back high school was not like that for me like the teachers would have been on that shit but it's just like they cram it all into one scene to set the tone in movies it's it's always funny to me um but yeah so last thing that i have on this set of notes is i like the uh i like the the death that we get here the um they did a good job of letting you know that something foul is afoot without spoiling the plot like you get the the coach, you can tell the the change in his attitude and demeanor um, after someone approaches him on the practice field, and he goes inside and he's just very stoic and creepy and perverted acting. Um, and then, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I was gonna say something about. I wonder how much of that had to do with the Weinstein's being involved in this movie. I wonder how much of that was just him, him, you know, reflecting the Weinstein's in real life. But I won't do that. Um, but when he goes in the room with the principal and he's all creepy and perverted and rapey acting towards her, uh, and then when she gets outside and she gets killed, like the, I like how they didn't spoil what's going on. Right. Like you see the death and you see, oh shit, these two people at least are crazy, but they don't spoil it. And then it gets into, uh, okay, yeah, you see the other stuff. People start acting funny and, and we'll get into that in the next few scenes. But uh, I thought it was a really well done job of uh, of bringing you up to speed without spoiling anything, still still keeping you uh, on the edge of your seat, confused. All right, now we're in Miss Burke's class as she's asking about Crusoe's greatest fear. <clears throat> Zeke answers with a smart, elegant answer, making the others laugh. Stan stops Delilah again, telling her he's quitting football and he's not playing anymore. <clears throat> he wants to focus on school, and she says football is his only way to college. She says she can't be with an academic since she's the head cheerleader. Mr. Tate has everyone turn to Chapter 4, and Stan says we already did this. We're on Chapter 5. Stokely is sitting by herself when Mary Beth shows up and introduces herself and notices she's into science fiction stuff. She's a new girl from Atlanta. Delilah shows up now and picks on Stokely's appearance and calls her a lesbian, and she walks away. And now we see Casey in the stands all by himself eating, and he walks onto the football field and he finds something on the ground. The coach asks what he's doing and says that this ain't the cafeteria. He walks away and the coach tells him to get out. Miss Olsen gives Stokely a weird stare as she enters Miss Brummel's class and creepily closes the door. Casey enters Mr. Furlong's class and gives him the thing he found on the football field. Mary Beth asks Stokely if she wants to be lab partners and asks about her being a lesbian. Mr. Furlong is examining the item under a microscope and says it looks like a sea-dwelling organism. He says he thinks this is a new species. Mary Beth is attracted to Zeke, I wrote. Mr. Furling wants to send this to the university. Some water is spilled on it and it starts moving around. Furlong takes it and drops it into the aquarium. It starts to swim and has tentacles come out. He goes to grab it and it replicates into two organisms. It now bites his finger with mean teeth. Now we're at swim class and Stan is telling Coach he's quitting the team to focus on academics. He's way more calm than, than Stan thought so. In the locker room now, and Gabe bullies <laughs> Usher, bullies Casey, and Stan goes to take a shower. He hears someone enter the shower, and we see its and we see its gross feet and legs. When he opens his eyes, it's Miss Brummel. She cries for help, saying she can't breathe and her skin is falling off. She says they want everyone. Stan asks Miss Olsen, "Is she going to be okay?" 
and she tells him she has cancer, and Casey watches the coach stand in the middle of the sprinklers getting soaked. Olsen asks him if he understands. Zeke now sells two other dudes tapes of Nev Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt naked. Miss Burke says he can't conduct business, and she says several students are complaining of the stuff he's selling. He tries to sell her laxatives and condoms, and she says if he just applied his knowledge, he wouldn't have had to repeat his senior year. All right, Brian, go ahead, bro. That's the next two scenes I got. Yeah, the writing is great with uh, with Stan as well. I, I definitely disagree about the uh, not having fleshed out characters. Like, for example, Stan's, you know, not your whole typical jock. Like, you know, earlier I called that cast archetypes, and, you know, we talked about being a breakfast club. But that's what I like about this so much is that, you know, on the surface it may be, but it takes these archetypes and twists them and then gives you the jock here that has, you know, like insecurities about even being labeled that and wanting to focus more on school. And and uh, to me, like that type of writing makes it feel real and relatable to a point that, you know, a lot of other movies don't to me. Um, you know, I, I did note that it was a weird transition, like with the coach jump scare and Casey, like that didn't feel, I don't know that, I didn't like how that little 15 second scene broke up, like the pacing of it. I'll, I'll I'll put that down as a nitpick for sure. And, um, but the dialogue, like get a fucking eye dog and just gutter slut scold Clay Duvall Stokely, I think is great. Um, you know, I I think her lines in this film are, uh, are well-written and are funny as hell, honestly. Um, you know, that scene with Miss Brummel and Stan though in the shower, that shit was gross. Like, like I know, I know that was a little bit of a nod to the, uh, to the shining, but you know, the hair tearing off part of the scalp, I mean, it looked great, but just the whole thing, like even, I don't know. And I'm sorry to the actress who played Miss Brummel, Susan Willis, rest in peace, but those feet, nah, ne- never mind. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop there and be respectful. Rest in peace, Mrs. Brummel. But, uh, the, that scene with the, uh, the coach standing on the football field with the water sprinklers the running, such an iconic shot in this movie for sure. Um, lastly, love the scene at the car with Zeke as well. Those dudes buying fake porn tapes with Nev and, and Jennifer Love. Like, I love that Easter egg there too, by the way. But, you know, this must have been a 90s thing because in eighth grade, I sold a tape of Showgirls for $20 to Scott. Scott, never mind. Let's move on. But, uh, but Famke Jansen's like Miss Burke. I think she's so good in this role too. Everybody went to school with a Miss Burke. Everybody also knows what I mean by that. I don't even have to explain it. But uh, a little fun fact, Famke actually said that she's never seen this movie because she didn't want to see her character's on-screen fate, which kind of given the CG in that scene, you know, I mean, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Mike. Well, since we'll never get to review this movie, you mentioned Showgirls. Elizabeth Hurley, call me sometime. Anyways, not the point. <laughs> uh, also, since we're here, Miss Burke, call me sometime. And you're right, Brian. That's kind of the first thing I get is like a weird, like you could tell there's weird vibes between her and Zeke. I don't really, I mean, I think we can all kind of get what's going on there. Um, but like you said, everyone went to school with a Miss Burke. So totally get that. Um, I like a lot of this. And I think some of my favorite stuff in here is the where he go uh it's the stuff with john stewart and i don't have a ton written down because you know there's a little bit of and i'm not a huge fan of the character stand and i will say i i like that it's fleshed out i like that we're not just getting that simple dumb jock but um i think we maybe spent a little too much time on his inner turmoil or something like i just feel like there could have been a little bit of a cleanup there and i agree with you brian uh the scene between coach and casey is kind of flat for me 
I don't think it needs to be there. I, I don't really see its point other than to make Coach scary, which I think he already comes across as that anyway, or creepy or weird or whatever they're trying to do there. Just kind of, I think we could maybe cut that scene out and it wouldn't have been a big issue. But I love the character of Stokely. I think she's great. Um, she adds a little, she, she, she just adds something that I think it would be, the movie would be better or the movie is better because she's in it. This character, not so much the actress or anything like that, but I like the character of Stokely a lot. And I think that she kind of rounds out that cast. She's the opposite of D D Delilah in so many ways. And I, I like that dynamic there. Um, but I love everything with with John Stewart and putting the thing in the aquarium. And 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 I I think all that's really great. And something that I you know upon this rewatch that I just didn't remember from the last time that kind of struck me while I was watching it this time, and and, and that's. You don't get a lot of the sci-fi aspect that you would normally get from a sci-fi movie until the last maybe, shit, 20 minutes or so. Like a lot of these effects that you normally get from a you know movie that you would consider to be a sci-fi thriller or horror, you don't get that. I don't know if it's the budget, which I'll get into later, but you just kind of get little drops and little hints of this weird species that's kind of, you know, that they don't know what the fuck is going on. And as a viewer... On your first view, you still don't know what's going on, really. And so I really like that a lot. And I, I agree with you, Brian. I love the dialogue between I'm kind of going back and forth here because I forgot where I had my notes, but I love the the dialogue that Stokely and a lot of kind of go back and forth with and Mary Beth, which by the way, I'll I'm gonna get to my nitpick about Mary Beth later, but I I, I, I kind of don't really think what if if you're watching this movie for the first time, she doesn't serve much of a purpose until the last 15 minutes. So that's a little bit of a nitpick, but I'll get into more of it later. But um, I like the set of scenes, and I especially love John Stewart's role here. I think it's great. Yeah. So uh, first thing I have on this set of scenes is just I wrote how Stan does not look like your typical star football player. Not um, at all. <laughs> no, and you're right about then, that. Then, and especially later when you find out that he's, you know, apparently the quarterback who has a very strong arm, and then you see him with the rest of the team later in the film, and he's approximately five foot two. Um, I just don't know how many quarterbacks could throw it over the offensive line. Being the, anyway, never mind. I'm stuck on. The, I'm hung up on that. Kyler um, Murray is starter in the NFL, sir. Kyler Murray is taller than five foot two. Um, Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. And that uh, sweet Southern Belle accent, her being Canadian, I thought was uh, an interesting thing to find out. Uh, she did a great job pulling that off. Um, but I agree with you, though, uh, Brian, what you said earlier. She does. I was trying to place it uh, while I'm watching this movie. I thought, man, she has such – there's something so familiar about her. And, yeah, yep. she looks like she could pass for Allie Larder's sister or something, maybe cousin. Um, maybe call me sometime. Anyway, um, yeah, she's a cutie. The The CG in this movie is so freaking bad, though. And it's it's a sign of the times. Uh, this I, The first thing that popped in my mind when I rewatched this movie was, Ugh, and Nico had the audacity to shit on the effects of the birds. This is terrible. <laughs> but it is. I mean, you know, they the, the technology is becoming available, and you want to go overboard. You want to show, hey, we've got this technology, so let's use it a lot. And, man, it's... Some of it's pretty bad. Um, the, the the when the coach took the news 
of his star player quitting the team, and he took it so calmly. Like that, they that is such a good job. Once you finish the movie, or once you get further into it, and then you pick up on these things that you may not have noticed back in, uh, you know, at the time. Because when you first see him take it so calmly, you're like, "Oh, that was weird." But then when the shit starts getting explained later, you're like, "Ah, okay, it's definitely." And so I, I just like how movies do that. They give you these hints, but you still don't really know what's going on. Uh, so that was a good job by Williamson there. Um, Miss Brummel getting all naked, that was kind of gross. Uh, didn't like that. Could do without. Uh, very thankful that it wasn't a uh, naked scene like we got from The Shining or from uh, It. it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely glad that they toned it down and, and spared my eyes a little bit there. Uh, yeah, and I, I did. I wrote down, I like how he was selling the bootleg tapes of Nick Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt naked. Uh, that was a good nod to uh, current events, what's going on in the horror genre at the time. Uh, so I I like stuff like that as well. Um, like I said, when we were reviewing uh, Scream 4, when I like how movies, they don't just use fiction like fictional characters or something. They put real-life people, like, oh, they talk about Jennifer Love Hewitt or, oh, they talk about um, Channing Tatum in Scream 4. Like, I, that just adds some relatability. You're like, oh, I know who they're talking about. Yeah, I, too, would purchase those tapes. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 only negative that I have really so far in the movie is it does seem a little cliche and and played out how oh, we have a jock, we have a new kid, we have an a, a nerd, we have an emo chick, we have a uh the cool kid and uh I'm forgetting one of them, but oh, they're just all going to magically find each other and become friends and save the universe like the Breakfast Club, like, you know, well, they didn't save the universe in the Breakfast Club, but you get what I'm saying. They bring these different personalities together uh, by happenstance, and they just magically mesh well together and figure shit out. Uh, it's played out, but it works when it works, and this is one of the movies where it does work. But it could have really ruined it for me had the rest of the movie not been so enjoyable. Hey, Nico, before you go, I just want to say I hate that Mr. Tate got taken over by these aliens because he's my favorite kind of fucking teacher. You could tell he's a history teacher that gave zero fucks and just, oh, I forgot what chapter we were on. That's my guy, man. That's that's what I aspire to be in life, you know? Just saying. At one point I wanted to make before we move on is uh, you brought up, you know, the Naked Lady in It, Chapter 2. I mean, heck, mm -hmm. honestly, as bad as... I mean, I don't think the CGI was that bad in this movie. I mean, it wasn't much better in It, Chapter 2, in my opinion. Um, the the CGI well, later on with Mrs. Burke is awful. <laughs> the the CGI with uh, Furlong later is awful. The fingers. Okay, well, yeah. it, I think the fingers were some of the best ones. Like, there's some, there's, there's definitely some hit and misses with it for sure. There was nothing as bad as the Freddy Caterpillar, though. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's funny that both of uh, Josh Hartnett's first two films in his career had bad CG with the mask, and now this movie. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> All right, Casey and Delilah are walking the halls, and they enter the break room to look for anything to be a story. Nurse is medicated and no one cares Mr. Tate is an alcoholic. Casey said she can be cool when she's not being a bitch. She asks if he's flirting with her. Casey sees feet approach and they hide in the closet. 
It's Coach and Miss Olsen. They're drinking more water. He tells her Miss Brummel didn't make it, couldn't handle it in the heat. He asks if the entire faculty had been commuted. The nurse enters and grabs her meds. Coach grabs her, saying he has a pain. They put her on the couch, and Coach's face gets veiny, and we see him like spit an, organ- an organism into her ear. Miss Brummel's body falls in the closet beside Casey and Delilah. They run out the closet towards the door and stop by the principal. They cry for help, and Mr. Tate shows up, and they aren't too concerned. They realize they're all alike now in runoff. The cops show up now, Casey leading his parents towards the break room now, saying the body was in the closet. Coach apologizes for the mix-up. They open the closet, and they say it's just a CPR dummy. The cops are kind of pissed off now. Casey says to call Delilah. Principal takes the officer to her office, and Coach says he could use his speed on the football team. Casey's parents want to get him professional help, and Casey notices the cops has that same glazed-over look as the teacher's. Principal tries to get Casey's mom into her office, but Casey stops it. They'll handle it themselves. His dad inspects his room for drugs and now says they love him, but he needs help. Dad takes his privileges. No phone, no music, no internet, and you go to school and you come home. That's it. And then his mom rats him out for his porno, too. Casey prints something off from his computer and goes to sneak out his window, and he sees the coach, Mr. Tate, and Miss Olsen and falls off the roof. His dad catches him trying to sneak out and tells him to get in the house now. Next day at school, Dad drops Casey off at school, come right home, and Mom is looking for a doctor. Casey sees the coach talking to his dad as he heads to class. Casey walks the halls and runs into Delilah. They hide in the bathroom as she's called to the principal. He says they've got the police, and, and they start to discuss what happened. She leaves to find Stan. Back in the break room, we see the staff act super weird, drinking tons and tons of water. Mary Beth pushes Stokely on the stand in class, and she asks him about the game. He tells her he quit, and she's shocked. He's tired of being given a pass because he's a team captain. He's impressed she follows the games, though. He was bothered because Mr. Furlong gave him an A instead of a D on a test because of his arm, his ability to play quarterback. Mr. Tate comes in and tells everyone to write down every living member of your family, and he says that this is the test. All right, Brian, go ahead, brother. So this is the only part that I think is forced in this. Like, I don't think Delilah and Casey like feel natural. And I mean, I know I'm talking about a natural relationship in a fucking movie about alien body snatchers. I get that. But it it just, it didn't feel like a relationship that would have ever progressed into what it ends up being is all. And if I had a nitpick about this movie, it's, it's their relationship, which, which I mean, obviously starts up in this group of scenes. Um, That whole scene with, uh, the coach and Miss Olsen turning, you know, Sam, Selma Hayek. You know, I, I thought the effects with uh, Patrick's eyes rolling the back of his head and the whole veins popping out of his head. I thought that was great. Um, you know, the whole thing going in her ear gave me Jason Goes to Hell vibes. And, and you know, seeing that shot of it you know, through the closet door is not anything new. I mean, that's been done a whole bunch of times, but I love it every time I see it. Um, you know, by the, way, by the way, who the hell falls down and then just lays there long enough to say, Delilah, wait. Then gets up to run. If uh, that fucking got on my nerves, fucking Frodo Baggins. But you know, Dustin brought it up earlier. We get Shooter freaking McGavin here as Casey's dad. I mean, come on, that man eats pieces of shit for breakfast. I mean, I always, I always wonder what happened to him after he left the PJ tour anyway. But come on, like that flogging the bishop line that he gave. I never knew a more eloquent line describing masturbation could ever be written. It's fucking fantastic. So, bravo, sir. Bravo. 
<laughs> and then and then my man's still holding that magazine in the hand in his hand whenever he escorts Casey back into the house. Yeah, what, what was he about to do with that magazine? But uh, but yeah, my man Shooter deserved a redemption arc after Happy Gilmore did him wrong anyway. So this is a good one. Um, also in this group of scenes, I feel like you know this is really where it almost escalates dread. You know, I think it's and that that escalating dread I think really starts to pick up right here. Like I know it's debatable how horror this you know really even tries to be, and that it has almost a satirical meta quality to it, like you know Scream, but it definitely takes itself seriously in the whole dread category, and I can really start you know see it kind of really start to propagate real here. Um, also, sidebar and lastly, the Tommy Hilfiger shirt Stan is wearing when he's talking to Stokely may not have noticed it. I did. I think Hilfiger had a whole campaign with this movie, but I had that exact shirt. Just a fun little fact you won't ever find on the interwebs. So go ahead, Mileage Mike. Oh, I wish I had a picture of that, honestly. Um, yeah, so I agree with you, uh, Brian, and it is one small nitpick I have throughout this movie, and that is the budding relationship of Casey and Delilah. I know we're kind of like rooting for it in a way, but I'm also not because I knew that's where they were going to go, and it feels very, very forced in there. Square peg, round hole. And I know, you know, that we're kind of like rooting for the nerdy underdog to kind of score the girl, and that's fine. I just, I wasn't really getting that vibe from them. They seem kind of more like uh, oddball friends in a way. And But I do like the scene with them in the faculty office closet. I think that's a really good scene. I think the um, that the coach and Miss Olsen and, and the nurse all kind of play their part perfectly. I, I like that they're there to see it. I like that that I like the acting there by everyone involved. I, I think it's really good, except for the little part that you mentioned, but small nitpick. I love that scene. It's very suspenseful. Very, uh, like you mentioned the word dread. This whole movie, we kind of get like a playful, you know, almost scream-like thing about it, and that doesn't happen here. It takes itself very, very serious. So I really like that scene. I think it's good. Um, and... You know, I don't have a lot here because I have a lot on the next set of scenes, and, and that's my my biggest gripe is going to come then. But what I will say is, fuck this version of, of Mr. Tate. This guy pisses me off. First of all, I'm not writing down all my living family members for your ass anyway. Even if you weren't an alien, I'm not writing all my family members down for you because you could be a creep, and I don't know you, man. I'm just saying. I kept thinking about that. I was like, what a fucking asshole. Not writing that down, but... Uh, I, I, I think, and I, and I, I wrote it down here, so I didn't forget. I think all the faculty actors, so all the actors that do the fact, I think they're all great. They all play this stoic, emotionless alien character so well to me. And I'm a big fan of the entire staff and faculty and how, and how they pull it off. Like I, I think. Everyone does their part. I think it's really well done. And I, I I like that you can see it's not over the top. It's, it's all very subtle changes in all the quote-unquote adults in this movie. And I think it's really well done. And it shows with with, with uh, Mr. Che. He went from not giving a fuck to giving too many fucks. And, but it was subtle. It wasn't over the top. And, <laughs> and I like that. So um, not a bad set of scenes. I just wish that – I wish we weren't going down the direction with Casey and – Delilah, but something else you mentioned, Shooter McGavin and the mom, like that's a really like an, another thing. 
perfect casting with those parents. Not so much that they have this on-screen chemistry or whatever, but I think they both have like little one-liners that are just fucking funny. And to break up the tension of a movie, I think it's really enjoyable. The way they interact with the cop and the principal, I think all that's really well done. And the, you know, the God, the line about the line about masturbation is fucking great. It's hilarious. Yes. Every time. I think it deserves to be on a shirt at don'tgooutthere.com. Zeke is getting a stash out of his locker, and Mary Beth is there. She says she's allergic to aspirin and can't take any of it. And I wrote, she's got the hots for him. There's a super long line of students to get ear exams. Stokely goes to check it out. Gail asks Stan if he's pissed about being new team captain. Delilah pulls Stan away, and Casey asks for Stokely's help. That meant to be Gabe. Sorry, I mistyped that on my notes. Zeke tells Mary Beth his parents are essentially dead, as we see friend of the show, John Abraham, staring. All the kids seem weird and drinking lots of water. Zeke's two clients buy up all his drugs, and they ask if he has more. Miss Burke shows up to Zeke and calls him out about his mother leaving him. She says she's sick of him, pushes him away after more insults. Casey tells Stokely what happened, and he says everyone's been acting really strange. She tells him about the invasion of the body snatchers. They chat about books, films, and aliens. She keeps telling Casey it's all just fiction. She says she doesn't buy it, but it's cool. She says in Puppet Masters, they were parasites. They leave the library and get Stan and Delilah to Mr. Furlong's classroom. The new species are missing. Casey tells Stan what happened and aliens are taking over the school. He laughs in disbelief. Zeke and Marybeth sneak into a supply closet and he takes stuff to make his drugs. He grabs a hold of her and they start to kiss. As they kiss, he overhears the other's conversation. Stan asks why, why here and he says they have to sneak into the country. They sneak over to the classroom and jump scare them as they enter. Zeke tells Casey the only alien is him. Furlong comes in now and says Casey thinks he's an alien. He closes the blinds and Casey asks where's the new species. Furlong grabs Zeke and throws him and grabs Casey by the throat. Zeke grabs, I think it's a paper slicer, and cuts his fingers off. Furlong gets in <laughs> Furlong gets in and he stabs his drug pen into Furlong's eye. He pushes Zeke through the aquarium, destroying it, and we see Furlong spaz out when the drugs take effect. He's dead. They all leave and Casey grabs the fingers for evidence. Stan says, straight to the parking lot. All the students walking by are all acting weird and staring at them. Voices keep whispering their names. They make it to Zeke's car and they speed off. Zeke runs into a roadblock and runs off and they get to his house. He takes him to his lab and caffeine pills are his secret to his drugs. Zeke looks at the specimen under the microscope and then puts it into the test lab rat cage. He pours water on it and it invades the rat's ear. The rat is now killed. Zeke takes it out and cuts open the rat. It's a parasite and, and it controls the host. It's incomplete and can survive on its own, but it's a part of a greater organism and it completely dried out the rat. The drugs are a diuretic. It dried out Mr. Furlong. They asked Stokely how to stop it. Kill the master and it kills them all. Everyone, everyone become human again if it's killed in theory. Casey says they have to fight it. Stan asks how we know if we're not aliens and they all start to call each other out. All right, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, firstly, I'm ashamed to say that I'd never noticed friend of the show, John Abraham's don'tquether.com. After that interview now, I, I every time they show him and just knowing him and Summer Phoenix's listed cast names are fuck you girl and fuck you boy. And like literally every time you see them, they're yelling that at each other. It cracks my ass up every time they come on screen. Um, 
uh, in fun fact, Summer Phoenix is actually Joaquin and River's sister. So actually, this little fun fact. And I think John talked about it in his interview how they're still friends. Um, but I, I like this convo between uh, Stokely and Casey. But but to me, the one nitpick and, you know, Stan and Stokely, for example, here, bought into the whole aliens are taking over a little too quickly. Like, I, I get they're trying to progress the plot. But, you know, Delilah and Casey have actually witnessed the crazy shit. You know, it was a stretch for me to kind of just believe that the other two would buy in so quick there. Uh, I mean, hell, for that matter, Zeke and Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson's relationship progressed just as fast. But, you know, minor nitpick, just putting it out there. Um, sidebar, tit bags, great line. Uh, but, with, with I mean, with that said, I'm I'm very glad that we didn't have to go through this whole long people buying or not buying into it very long, you know, as we got, you know, John Stewart quickly just showing that he's a, a really good actor more than the daily show, you know, and, and bam, I jab. Uh, I mean, I also like, we don't have this whole lazily written, like long sitting down trying to figure out how to beat them sequence looking at you, Freddie versus Jason. And it's, you know, it's figured out pretty quick. Um, the finger effects, I know that's directly lifted from the thing. Um, you know, and I know we talked about it earlier. I, I don't, it, it, do, it definitely doesn't look as good as you would expect nowadays for sure. And, you know, like, like Dustin mentioned earlier, I, I get that. But the stab to the eye, though, was good. Um, another nitpick, though, the whole paranoid, like, walk out through the school probably drug on a little too long. And I think that was to build tension, but that didn't really work for me. And in uh, my nobody cares, but Brian's going to say it anyway section, when I first saw Zeke's house, I actually thought it was Dom's from the Fast and the Furious. But when I went to verify that, it was incorrect. And actually, it's the same house from Michael Keaton's Multiplicity, a movie which I hated, by the way. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, and lastly, you know, all in all, I think this was a, another solid group of scenes. Um, just a minor nitpick here and there. Um, another good thing about this movie upon rewatch Dustin touched on this earlier, uh, you know, you catch a lot like Scream and, and I know what you did last summer. You know, Williamson definitely drops hints and subtle things, you know, and stuff that's not so subtle, like, you know, calling each other out before the test. But, you know, where when you've seen it, it keeps the rewatchability of this movie way up. So anyway, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so I love this set of scenes for a couple reasons. One, we get some actual development with Josh Hartnett's. Zeke, and I, you know, so far he's been, and I don't think necessarily he was intended to be the guy, the lead in this movie, per se. I feel like the whole group was, but at, at the same time, that's just kind of what he is when he's in a movie, and so he's he's a leading guy, and we don't, we, we haven't quite got that yet from his character, and in this set of scenes is when we kind of start to get the ball rolling, the little yeah. bit of romantic interest with Mary Beth and stuff, and you know, he kind of. He's like a weird good guy in the in the sense that he's selling drugs to high school kids, <laughs> and he's kind of a he's a fifth year senior and kind of a screw up. But you're still pulling for him in a weird way, and I I, I like the character and I like the way that Josh Hartnett pulls it off. Uh, I think it's really good. The so basically the part two to the scene with John Stewart and the little aquarium and stuff. I think it's. I think that it is, it's a really good scene. And like you said, Brian, you get to see John Stewart's actual acting 
which he doesn't put on display a ton over his career. He's on The Daily Show. He's funny in Big Daddy, but he's in that movie for like a total of 15 minutes. And, and, you know, in this movie, he gets to actually do some acting. And I think it's really good. He's not just funny, ha-ha. He kind of sells the stab into the eye really well. And and I think he kind of plays switching the evil on really well. And And I think that that as unlikely as all of these people are to be friends, I think that they have good on-screen chemistry as a group. And, and that's why I'm invested in the story and I'm invested in, in the character that, that uh, John Stewart is playing. It's why I love those two scenes so much because one, this is not normal. How, this is not the normal John Stewart that we see. So I'm invested. And I do think, you know, all the characters play their part really well in this scene. And I, I love the way that they that they've realized that, oh, it's this drug <laughs> of all things that's going to stop the world from being taken over by aliens, which is kind of funny because we're told our whole lives don't do drugs. Well, in this case, might not be such <laughs> a bad idea. You know, it's kind of it, it kind of flips that on its head. And there, it, this is when we start to get a lot more of those subtle nods to horror classics. Um, you know, right as we about to get, you know, we're about to get into the, you know, the test scene and, and, and that is straight out of John Carpenter's The Thing. So, I mean, it is literally almost the same damn scene, but with, but, you know, with a modern twist. And so I think they do a really good job of, of kind of playing to that, but also keeping it very modern in a sense with the cast we have. So I, I really like the set of scenes. All right, now we see a car pull out in front of Zeke's house and parts. Zeke says he has a solution. They all have to take a hit of the drugs to know who's alien or not, and they all have to do it. Casey goes first. He survives, but he starts tweaking. Stan goes to shoot Casey, then points the gun at Zeke to take the drug. Zeke takes the drugs, then he takes the gun from Stan and gives them, and he gives him the drug. So far, so good, I wrote. Stokely next. Delilah refuses and says Mary Beth first but she keeps saying she's allergic. Everyone else is laughing uncontrollably. Zeke says they both take it. Mary Beth is scared because she's allergic. She takes hers, and now we see that Delilah is actually an alien. She attacks Stan, and Casey points the gun at her. Casey doesn't shoot, so Stokely shoots at her. Delilah destroys the lab equipment and runs off to the car and escapes. Zeke says she destroyed most of my supply, and Casey says we have to kill the queen. Mary Beth giggles as she walks out the lab. They all head to the football game because that's where everyone else will be. At the game, we see all the players infecting the opposing team as they tackle them. Usher clotheslines a kid as the crowd chants kill them. Stan asks Stokely if they think it's the principal, and they walk off, and the principal and Miss Olsen take notice. They all hide off in the gymnasium, but Principal Drake enters saying to come with her. They tackle her and wrap her up. Stan points a gun at her, and Casey says, sniff this. Casey goes to stab her in the eye with it, and Zeke grabs the gun and shoots her in the head. Mary Beth throws the almost she throws almost all the drugs on her, killing her. They all go look out the gym, and it's raining hella hard now. Stan says he's going to go to the coach and runs over to the field. Before he leaves, he and uh, Stokely they have they share a kiss. Stan sees the coach in his alien form, absorbing all the water with the team. Mary Beth says she wished she hadn't come here. Stan comes back and they won't let him in. They slide him another scat, you know, some scat to test him. 
and he pours it on the ground. He's infected now. He tries to recruit Stokely. I want you, he says. Stan runs off from the gym. Casey says, let's go for the coach now. Zeke says he thinks he has more scat in his car. He and Casey sneak out and run towards his car. Zeke uses Casey as a decoy as the football team marches by. They chase after Casey now as he hides in a bus. Delilah corners him, and he escapes through the roof of the bus. Zeke makes it to his car, but Miss Burke shows up again. She asks what he's looking for. She wants the cherry-flavored condoms now. Zeke sees his scat in his car. He jumps in and cranks it up, but she breaks through the window. He drives fast as hell, slinging her around. He puts his seatbelt on and rams into a bus. He grabs his scat and escapes the car. Miss Burke's head crawls by him, and he pulls the gun out, and he says, Fuck this, and runs... And I wrote, he runs off not very fastly. <laughs> he didn't seem too <laughs> urgent to get away. All right, Brian, the next two scenes are the ending, brother. Yeah, while they were snorting that caffeine, I couldn't help but think, you know, wouldn't that have worked if you just simply ate it? I mean, isn't snorting it a little fucking dramatic? Bingo. I mean, like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know shit about drugs out of ballpoint pens, but, you know, that's out of my realm. But still, like, I, I thought that was a little listen, bit. I'm not saying um, I know, Brian. All I'm, all I'm saying is, you could probably pixie stick that thing and it'd be okay. Probably so. Um, I think it's such a good red herring. And I, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even say it's a red herring. Maybe just a misdirection with Delilah since, you know, she turned out to actually be one anyway. But, you know, her basically taking one for the team and her queen so they don't, you know, they both wouldn't be outed. I thought that was a great little twist. And, you know, upon that rewatch, that's something, you know, you really see how smart it is. Also, I don't think you need the explanation later in this movie. It's not in the set of scenes, but later where it shows the little flashback to the scene and how Mary Beth doesn't actually snort it. I mean, I think you can't even tell if she did or didn't anyway. I, I don't I don't think it needed to be explained later. I think that could have been cut. Um, you know, the, the remake of Another Brick in the Wall by the Class of 99, such a, such a perfect song here for this, maybe only outdone by Varsity Blues football scene with Thunderstruck playing. Um, but full disclosure, and this may seem blasphemous, but you know we've said worse on this show, probably in this episode. But I was a, you know, I was a big movie guy growing up, not really a big music one. So I actually grew up thinking that this was the original and only version of that song. I never knew Pink Floyd sang it. Hell, for all I knew, this was Pink Floyd. Uh, I just know that this was the introduction of that song for me, as far as I'm aware, and it's better than the original. Nope, I said it. Um, Here's something that isn't debatable, though. Like, nobody nobody saw Usher take his helmet off on the field and put a slug in that dude's ear. And most importantly, Usher would have been ejected multiple times in today's game. Clothes lines, helmets removal. It's like personal foul central out there. It's crazy. Um, you know, and I all I, this, is, this is something I do almost wish that they would have killed Principal Drake and that she wouldn't have been an alien. I mean, I know that we know she is because of the whole beginning, but that almost would have been just another holy shit moment and that, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of like to have seen how they would have how they would have paid that off. Um, I also thought it was a nice touch with Stan, which can I say, by the way, the name Stan doesn't fit with that character. Just like FYI, I, I think they should have went with Sean Hattesey's real name, like Sean <laughs> for that character. I don't know. It's just maybe that's just me. It just bothers me. But uh, I do like that moment between him and Stokely uh, before and after his turn. Like, that's just a that's a relationship that I felt like was earned in this movie. And, you know, you as an audience were given that kiss just to have it all ripped away. And it's not even not even two minutes later. Um, 
you know, lastly, I think it's another great scene with Casey on the bus, you know, trapped, you know, with the arms hitting the windows like you get in a whole bunch of other zombie movies. Um, you know, it's a, it's also a great little action scene there at the end of the car. Um, it's, it's almost kind of a false third act if you think about it. But, uh, you know, this is where I was talking about the, the CG being just real bad standard, the octopus head with the headless fam key. I just, I was not a big fan of this little CG set of scenes. Yeah. So right up off the bat, I love the test scene because like I already mentioned, it's a nod to the thing. And right. I, I, I do think it's, a, it's, it's weird. It is almost a modern retelling of that scene. Um, you know, it involves drugs, which is, you know, kind of big in the nineties. It, it, it was big way earlier than that, obviously, but you know, around this time period, I, I remember that kind of being a big topic again, the just say no campaign and all that stuff. So I think this is a full modern retelling of that scene. And that's one of my favorite scenes in the thing. And clearly it's inspired and I think it's really good. It's really well done. I think all the acting is good. Uh, I like the fact that they break the tension of that scene up with the laughing <laughs> of the side, like the side effect of the drug being you get the giggles. And I think that's really good. Um, I'm not really sure when Josh Hartnett became, and I know I'm, I meant to put this in the last set of scene, but when he became this fucking uh, genius scientist, all of a sudden this 50 year senior, but I'm here for it. I'm allowing it. It's fine. It works with the character uh, somehow, some way, but I, I, well, I mean, in his in his defense, I mean, they did at the very at the beginning, right. you know, during when they when they, I mean, they kind of established yeah. it at least. I mean, right? And, and they did establish that he's smart. He just doesn't apply himself. One of those kids. And I'm, well, I mean, he and he seemed like you know a know it all, whatever. When they found that little, you know, found the initial what slug right. alien thing or whatever. Right. So you know, I is it believable in real life? No, but I mean, at least in this movie, they tried to, you know, make it applicable through the whole thing. At least that's just my defense. Right. And I do agree with you. Um, what, so I like, I like this set of scenes for the most part. I do feel this is where we get a little long in the tooth as far as the movie. And again, the hour and 40 plus flies by, but if I had to pick a section that I felt might've been a little long, it's this, but I love, I love when we find out that you know, Lila's infected. I love all that. I think it's really good. Um, the tension of that scene is good. And by the way, why they ever thought the principal was the queen bee in the first place was dumb to me anyways. I mean, I know they don't know, you know, how it all began, but us as an audience member knows, well, clearly she was affected by the coach. There ain't no damn way she's the queen bee. But, but you know that's a different story. I I I got so mad when she when Mary Beth and again we know why later. I got so mad when Mary Beth dumped all that shit on the principal. Like oh fuck you <laughs> you you dumbass. Like that's that's your whole stash, man. Like why are you doing that? Um, but I I I'll say this: the the Stan and Stokely relationship is much more believable than the Casey and. The Lila one, for whatever reason, Dang. the chemistry Dang. is just there. You know that kiss. Stokely's a badass for just, I just, you know, for always being. She, she, she didn't want to go her whole life without doing that, and you know, and kudos to her. Everyone thought she was a lesbian, so bust off, pal. But uh, I, I like all that. I think it's good. I like when Stan comes back. I like all that, and and the you know the stuff with Miss Burke. I almost forgot that Miss Burke existed until this set of scenes. 
And I and this is when I feel like we got a little long in the tooth because we have really, really bad CGI. Another nod to the thing, obviously, because the head comes off, it's crawling on legs. Like that's another nod there. Uh, but I think it's really bad CGI, and it doesn't work for me. Uh, you know, if I had a complaint about this movie, this is where it starts to run a little long, and I'm 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 just kind of ready to see the the finale that we're going to get. I'm ready to see the actual big alien here, and I think that 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 that's a lot of fun. But I also think that this is where it starts to run a little long for me. All right, guys, here's the ending. Stokely and Marybeth chat. Marybeth giggles when she says she thought she was the only alien in school. She asks how Invasion of the Body Snatchers ends. And I wrote Mary is sounding hella sketchy right now. And she reveals herself as the Queen Parasite. Casey and Stokely run into the pool into the pool gym. And the alien swims at them and drags Stokely into the pool. She manages to escape the pool before being attacked by the alien. She and Casey run off into the locker room and hide. Mary Beth emerges from the pool. Zeke now makes it to the locker room. He's in a bidding war between Mary Beth and Stokely. He asks why she's naked. Mary Beth didn't really take the test. Stokely grabs Zeke as he goes to stab Mary Beth, but Casey throws her into the equipment cage. Zeke makes Casey take a hit. They hide from Mary Beth now. Casey starts tweaking again. Zeke is tossed into the lockers and he's knocked out. Casey grabs the scat and hides as Mary Beth calls for him. She's trying to recruit him to their world. He he lures her into the gym, and he runs under the bleachers. He activates a switch that has the bleachers close in as he runs under them. He gets to the end of them, trapping Mary Beth. He he stabs his scat into her eyeball as she spits parasites onto his face. The queen dies, and they fall out of his face. The alien disintegrates, and he heads back and finds Stokely back to normal. They share a hug as Zeke scares them. He asks if it's over. One month later, Coach is back to normal, yelling at everyone. Zeke plays football now, and Miss Burke flirts with him as she watches him practice. Stan and Stokely are a thing now, and she asks when they're going to find a new news story. Casey and Delilah are a couple now, and he's made the cover of a bunch of magazines as a hero. The media shows up to interview him more. Things sure have changed, haven't they? He asks as the end credits roll. All right, Brian, what do you think about the ending, brother? Um, I, I love the reveal of the queen there with Stokely. Um, Stokely, Ripley, final act with the queen alien. I don't know if that was meant to be a parallel, but one I definitely drew for sure. Um, I think the effects, this is one of the times where, and Michael talked about the budget, but I think the, the budget was spent here for sure. But the effects on that monster to me looked looked good, especially for being over 20 years old. Like, you know, I, would I have liked to have seen less of the monster? Yeah, probably. And maybe that's a, a unpopular opinion, you know, maybe, maybe put in the dark a little bit more, but, but I think that's where Robert Rodriguez comes in. Like, you know, he loves to show that shit, especially, I mean, if you've seen planet terror, you know, you know, and, uh, and the effects with Stokely hitting her head on the pool floor, I thought were elite. I thought that was really well done too. Um, you know, in this set of scenes, you've got people all over the place, not knowing who's an alien now and who isn't. The uh, I leave for five seconds and everyone's a fucking alien line. I thought that was great. Um, I, I do think I would have told him to fuck off, though, if I were Casey, because I'm not fucking getting high right as we're running from a damn queen alien. That's that's asinine. I don't care if you believe whether I'm an alien or not. That's ridiculous. But um, 
I thought it was a great visual too, by the way. Oh, this is badass with Barry, Mary Beth, like walking through the locker room with the whole tentacle shadows bouncing off everywhere. I thought that looked good. And really, I thought that looked amazing. Um, could I have done without the guaranteed to jack you up line? Yeah, that was terrible. But, but the visuals with the, with the slugs crawling in Casey's face, like you talked about, I thought that was great. Um, and, oh, and that last jump scare with Zeke. This might be one of the only times that I say this. That jump scare I thought was perfect because, like, you don't get that last, the monster killer isn't really dead. You get a fake out. And I, I love that choice with Williamson right there. Um, fucking Zeke smoking, though, on practice field made me shake my head. I thought that was dumb. And I was like, what is this, the Bad News Bears? But I, I, you know, I already said I wasn't a fan of Casey and Mia. I mean, Delilah, you know, that's Brian O'Connor's girl, man. And it's just, I don't know. They just didn't go together. Um, all in all, good ending. I, I don't, and, and this is, it's funny, Mike said this, you said this this last time. I, I don't feel like the runtime on this one in particular was bloated at all. I, I think the characters had really good arcs. Um, you know, almost all of them were in one position at the start of the film. And by the end, you know, like, for example, they were less concerned with like how the school thinks of them and ready to move on with their own lives, you know, just, uh, and I'm obviously a fan of this flick. So, you know, maybe I'm being biased with the, with the runtime, um, you know, but I don't, I don't find it dragging really much. And now I did say during the thing, some stuff could have been cut, but it's not because I was like, Oh man, I, I think this is dragging on. Um, but you know, obviously I'm a fan of this flick and sometimes Williamson scripts, you know, because of, one reason or the other or whatever don't always admittedly stick the landing like the in the final and the finale right. and, but i i think but i think that this one does a hundred percent i agree with you by the way and and to touch on the runtime thing it's more of just that little set of scenes with miss burke and zeke in the car um that's just one of the things i may have cut i don't know shaves about what seven minutes off of but i just felt it would have been a little bit tighter um, mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, that's such a nitpick. Like, it's not like it bogs down the movie or anything. No, this hour and 40 plus flies by to me. It's a very fast paced movie to me. I never get bogged down with it. Uh, I'm never looking at my, at my phone or my watch to see what time it is. So I didn't mean it in that way. I, I just meant, okay, let's get to the finale because of like you said, and I think about this when I watch the faculty and other Kevin Williamson movies is sometimes they don't stick the landing. I don't really think the end, and I I don't know if this cycle is, but the end of the first, I know what you did last summer, is is a form of contention for me. Um, and we'll get to that when we review that movie. But uh, that being said, I think this finale is really good. And I'm not a big fan of the character of Mary Beth being the quote-unquote queen alien that they had to take out. First of all, she's kind of... I'm. I kind of started to figure the first time I saw it, why she might've been there as it went on, because for all intents and purposes, she has no purpose being in this movie until this, this time period outside of being the new girl in town, which by the time they get there is a little suspicious, but you see her snort the drug, but she didn't really snort the drug. And so I, it's not that I don't necessarily like that. I just don't know if I like the character of Mary Beth in general. So that could just be a me thing, a nitpick thing, but I still like the fact that there's a little bit of a surprise reveal there. And you, you made a very good point. 
the Queen Alien and Stokely, the parallel between Rip, like that's all there, man. And I think it's, um, again, a modern twist on it. And I think it's really good. And I do like, as much as I'm like mid, I'm a little luke, a lukewarm on the character of Casey. I like that he's kind of the last man standing that has to quote unquote save the planet. Um, a little anticlimactic with just the one stick to the eye of the alien, but I will forgive that because I do think this alien looks great. For all the yeah. bad CGI in this movie, this is where they put that that money right here, and I think that alien is scary. For you know, and, and if that thing was coming to me, I'd probably shit myself and run away. So you know, good on Casey. Um, I think that the end is really, it's good. It's not great, but I do think they stick the landing to, to put it in terms that you said. Um, all in all, I like that everybody kind of gets back to, you know, that that we're free of the alien and all the characters that we've come to actually like in this movie get back to their normal selves, but they're a more evolved version of themselves. They don't care what, what Joe Schmo Blow thinks about the reputation anymore. They're just excited to be happy again and and i like i actually got a kick out of uh out of zeke smoking on the football field now i would never allow that but i thought it was, <laughs> but i thought it was really funny and a very 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 1998 thing because that was so cool in 1998 to be you know have the cigarette hanging out so um i think this is a i think they kind of wrapped this up very very nicely in, in a neat little bow and i think it's a lot of fun it's a fun watch and the hour and 40 flies by Oh, yeah. Y'all got any more final thoughts on the ending before we jump into some fun facts real quick? We don't have any questions from social media this week. Yeah, I can't believe I got this whole movie without making a Hey There Delilah reference. I'm ashamed of myself. (laughs) Oh, wait. I I just did it. Hey There Delilah. Oh, sorry. All right. I'll just go first real quick. I only have a few of them. Uh, These are all from IMDb. A lot of the filming was done at the high school in Lockhart, Texas. The football team was used, and the city was told to show up for the football game, and they were given fake T-shirts to wear in the stands. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, There was a cameo by Tina Rodriguez at around 10 minutes. The tattoo girl who Mary Beth asked where the office is is director Robert Rodriguez's sister. Uh, Jessica Alba auditioned for the role of Delilah. That's pretty cool. And speaking of Delilah, this was the film debut of Jordana Brewster. And my last fun fact is Zeke is the only character who is not infected in this movie. Does anybody else have fun facts? Uh, yeah, I have a few. Um, at around 12 minutes uh, when uh, Professor Furlong is uh, talking to Nurse Harper, um, you know, she rebuffs him. He says, maybe I should just uh, put a pin in my eye. And later in the movie, that's exactly what Zeke does. Um, you know, and speaking of uh, Professor Furlong, there are a couple of Terminator references um, John Stewart's character is uh, Mr. Furlong, of course, but and that's a reference to the actor Edward Furlong from Terminator 2. And uh, when Casey's trapped underneath the bleachers with the alien closing in on him, that's uh, supposed to be a reference to uh, Sarah Connor in the first Terminator as well. Um, when Casey's in the bathroom stall nursing his uh, bloody nose, there's graffiti on the wall that says Tito and Tarantula. And that uh, was the name of the vampire band from Dust Till Dawn which Robert Rodriguez was obviously involved in, and Selma Hyatt. Um, the drama teacher is Piper Laurie, who played Carrie's mom in Carrie. And uh, lastly, the scene where Mrs. Bromo is uh, falling apart in the shower. I kind of already said this, but in Stan Finder, that's a reference to The Shining. Yeah, so this movie, I you know, we kind of already touched on it, but this movie had a budget of $15 million, 
and it grossed in the United States 40.3, 63.2 million around the world. So a pretty good, a pretty good chunk of change. Again, another Kevin Williamson late '90s hit, and Dimension kind of uh, cashing in on that. And then, by the way, they needed the money at that time because in a couple of years, Dimension Films is looking at 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 uh, you know an empty uh, bank safe there. So I don't blame them for trying to cash in while they could while the iron was hot, and they did that here with the faculty. Um, the only thing that's crazy. That's crazy that it was only fifteen million dollars. Yeah. I mean, it is. That's crazy. To well, me. again, it, you could see where they put their their money. Um, oh, the yeah. early CGI, eh, that stuff with the alien, and and even the you know the the little infected creatures, those look really good. So at least they got that part right. So I'm willing to forgive some of the bad stuff that they uh, kind of shoehorned in as as it went along. But I think the stuff with the alien and the little mini aliens, whatever you want to call them, is actually really good. Um, yeah. by the way, I don't know if you saw this anywhere else, but I found this in a YouTube video and the name is slipping me, but there were, uh, I think 2005 or six, it was actually Aaron Kruger <laughs> who we've mentioned on the show before. Brian's not the biggest fan was in talks to write a sequel to this movie. So oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm sure that would have been uh, not so great. Scream three is all I need to see. <laughs> no doubt. All right, let's jump into our the moment of truth, our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, Brian, do you want to read uh, Dustin's? Uh, Dustin, he lost his internet connection, so that's why he didn't finish the episode with us. But he's sending us his rating and all that. Brian, do you want to read his first, and I'll go right after him? Yeah, he. Uh, there's no summary, but um, his favorite kill was uh, Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. And uh, he, he said, I, I like how Casey was quick thinking, you know, to use the bleachers to trap her and the delivery of the zinger before he stabbed her in the eye. Um, also, these uh, CG effects and character design were very men in black like. And I love those movies. So props. His least, fa- his least favorite kill is Miss Bromo because I didn't need to see all that shit before she died. <laughs> but uh, his, his rating is uh, very good if you know uh, Dustin ranking system. And uh, he gives it a seven. So thank you, sir. I will take that seven. I I, I agree. Hey, getting a seven out of Dustin is pretty hard these days. It seems like no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go next. My favorite kill. I went with Professor Furlong. Uh, he got his fingers cut off and stabbed his eye. And I really like that scene. Uh, that's my favorite kill. Uh, my least favorite. I actually agree with Dustin. Uh, Miss Brummel. Too old, so she becomes the leper lady from The Shining and just dies. I wrote meh. Uh, I, I wrote a little summary though. <clears throat> Rating, I gave it an eight, Brian. Uh, I haven't seen this movie before, but I had a blast watching it. Uh, I really love the chemistry of the cast of this movie. Uh, Zeke probably being my favorite character. I like Josh Hartnett. I like Casey, but he did annoy me being so hesitant to kill the aliens, even though he was the one who wanted to fight. Uh, I wrote, you know what you're going to get with Williamson, and I really think he shined in this one. Uh, I wrote this is one of his best scripts, in my opinion. It had his trademark meta, but it wasn't as in-your-face like a lot of the screen films. Uh, the movie is an hour and 45 minutes long, but it doesn't feel long. It has a great pace to it. A uh, few nitpicks, Mary Best reveal, didn't look great to me, honestly. Not that the, the CGI was bad. I just wish she would have stayed a more humanish alien. I just didn't like I, the... I agree with that. I also didn't like her flashback to not taking the scat. Uh, when she's taking it live, the bottom of the pen is still clearly on, but it's not when she does the flashback. 
Uh, I find it odd she picked the coach to infect first, too. Uh, one critique I do have to give your man Williamson, though, is to be a little more creative with the kills. Uh, Mary Beth crushing the bleachers just made me instantly think of the possible ending of H2O that didn't make it. Uh, could have been a little better, but it wasn't terrible. In conclusion, Brian, this was a fun watch that I would definitely recommend. If you grew up in the 90s, this will hit you hit right at home. It feels like a fun 90s play on the thing, except not boring. No offense, Trey Rowland. Oh, God. One last- Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing. Like I said at the end of our H2 overview, big shout out to Josh Hartnett. Arguably one of the greatest final guys ever. Defeated the vampires in 30 Days of Night. Survived Michael Myers, and he survived an alien invasion. So overall, thought it was a good movie, and I really liked it. And the Blu-ray just came in today from Amazon. <laughs> First of all, I, I can't believe you speak so disparagingly about a classic. But anyway, whatever. It's fine. Okay, my least favorite kill is the same as you guys, Mrs. Brunel, because I didn't need to see all that shit. Uh, she cannot call me sometime. Never, please. Um, my favorite kill is, and I'm going a little bit of a different direction here, and it's the principal, not so much because of the kill. The kill is a gunshot to the head, but it's the after effects. I actually think look really good. I mean, it's the effects of when they yes. throw the drugs. I think it looks really good. And given some of the other effects of this movie don't look that good, I think they pulled this off really well. Um, so I'll say that. Again, this movie is a fun watch. It reminds me a lot of what I think that the original Scream is or even even the scary movies where where while they might be a little bit of a little bit too much haha not in this one so so i'll just say i think it's a little it's just a fun horror movie watch like if i were going to pop in a horror movie that i could kind of show other people that may not love horror like we do this would be one of those movies to me that especially people my age that would get the the 90s you know part of it all like i think it'd be a really good one to pop on anytime and so i'm a fan of this movie i think that i agree with nico this might be Maybe my second or third favorite Kevin Williamson script, if you count Scream 4 as a Kevin Williamson script, at least half of it is. And so I do think this ranks up there for me with him as well. Uh, I get this movie a 7.5. I think this movie is really good. Uh, it's really fun. The runtime is perfect for what it's supposed to be. And I love all the nods to the classic you know, sci-fi horror movies, but it's not as in your face is Halloween 2018, which we've went over a million times. I'll have to do that here. But I, I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and I think the cast is great. For a movie for a movie straight out of the 90s, this cast nails it. Because some of those late 90s horror movies are very cliche and very blah. I feel like this does a really good job of having some organic on-screen chemistry. So great job with the cast in there. Yeah, okay. Um, my, my favorite kill, I said it, you know, the principal – and, and, you know, you don't have to, I'm easy. Look, you don't have to be a creative kill to make me happy. Like I just want it to look good. And, you know, I've said that I'm a sucker for throat slashes and, you know, as long as they they're done right and shit, you know what, a good bullet to the head, like this one where it's shocking. You're just like, Holy shit, where did that come from? Like that's, that's why I, I liked it. That's why it stood out to me for sure. So um, I really didn't think anybody else would have that. That's why I was like, wow. You know, whenever Mike was saying that, that, uh, that it was his too. Um, I, um, the least, least favorite kill. I didn't write anything down just because, and I even wrote this during the movie. I was like, well, 
you know, so, it's hard sometimes to tell whether people actually died or not because, you know, like for the for the principal, for instance, you thought she died at the beginning of the movie, and I was pretty like, okay, shit, she's dead, and then you know she shows up later. So you know, I don't know. It's kind of confusing to count that, count nine. I didn't want to get too technical with it. Anyway, long story long, I didn't pick a favorite kill, or at least favorite kill. Um, to make my summary really short, I just like like we've said, amazing cast all the way around. Um, super super high rewatchability factor on this one. And, you know, for me, at least, nostalgia just oozes from everywhere on this one. And uh, I gave this a nine. Hey, fair enough. I, I really can't blame you for giving it that. I, re- I, watched, yep. I watched the movie twice within, like, two or three days, and I I really had a good time watching it. Like, I, I wasn't dreading watching it. No, it's, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a really fun yeah. horror movie to watch. It really is. Yeah. I was actually going to ask, ask y'all, uh, you two, about that, Brian, with the principal at the beginning. Do y'all think that like they almost killed her, then infected her, so she survived that way? Yeah, that's I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, her. they didn't really explain. Yeah, they didn't really explain that. You know, I mean, it's like they I didn't explain. It like, I think I even said that in my notes. <laughs> you know, as a kill, yeah. I mean, and, and maybe they revived her. So, I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just a little minor nitpick, but it's nothing major. Because uh, I mean, I did enjoy seeing the principal throughout the movie. I mean, this you know movie would have gotten an eight had it featured uh, more summer hikes. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> but uh brian I had, I had a good time watching and reviewing it man it was a fun movie i really liked it i mean i bought the blu-ray so i mean i obviously liked it yeah, i enjoyed it it was fun i'm glad i will be buying the blu-ray as well it's only like uh like 9.99 for i found it or 11 bucks something like that yeah it's not expensive yeah. um mike you ready to announce your pick next week for creature feature this is gonna be another fun one a nostalgic <laughs> one i am it's almost like I was waiting for tonight. Only some of you will get that reference. Uh, no? Okay. There we go. There we oh, go. I got it. All right. Okay. Waiting for tonight. By the way, great jam. Going to listen to that tomorrow morning. Okay. If you haven't figured it out by now, my pick for next week is Anaconda, starring the Jennifer Lopez and my man Ice Cube. We're just not going to remember John Voight, Owen Wilson. All right, the disrespect around here. I'm going to tell you why I don't remember John Voight next week. I, By the way, I remember John Voight. I just can't understand anything John Voight says. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't watched Anaconda in a while, but I remember being, you know, I don't remember when this movie came out, but being a little kid and, you know, I was the little nerdy kid who loved snakes, so I loved Anaconda, so. I really, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I'll say uh, this about Anaconda before we get out, Nico. If you like campy horror, like if you like a movie that's just a little over the top and 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 kind of out there for a horror movie where you don't have to take it so seriously, this is a movie I think you will enjoy if you've never seen. Uh, if you like your horror movies to be more serious, like like I don't know, The Shining or or Silence of the Lambs or stuff like that, or you know even Midsummer, which was way too serious. Uh, then this movie, you're gonna hate it. <laughs> but this is, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about. It, it should be a fun time. And my message okay. to those people is lighten up and enjoy yourself. Right. Uh, <laughs> anywho, okay. I'm 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 I can't believe we're about to get some Coach Bud Kilmer slander next week. Wow. 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 Coach Bud Kilmer slander. Wow. John Voight is great as Coach Bud Kilmer. In this go coyotes, go coyotes, go coyotes, go back. In this movie, I can't understand a word he says. The accent makes no sense. 
I think I think that might be the point. <laughs> I know, and that's, I'm still gonna say it's a knock. I'd rather see Ice Cube back. That's all I'm saying. But uh, anywho, I'm looking forward to next week and just one more time. Great pick, Brian. I had a lot of fun watching it. I agree with you, man. You could watch this movie anytime and enjoy it. I think it's just fun. Absolutely agree. Yes, for sure. Uh, fans, listeners, we really appreciate the support. We thank you for our, you know listening to us. We really appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, y'all have a good one. And would Miss Drake please report to the principal's office? Just want to remind everybody. Um.